welcome to Odd Drummer Gaming, the podcast about stuff. My name is Edmund. Um, I'm calling this the 2022 holiday special. I don't know if that name will be accurate, but I watched a few holiday movies, so hopefully it'll be all right. Um, I released an episode a, a few days ago, and I mentioned I was not feeling well. I got COVID tested, and I was positive. And it's terrible. It's just terrible. You know, I got I got the vaccine a while ago, and I got boosted twice. I believe there's a third booster. I haven't gotten that one. In retrospect, I probably should have. Um... And I was joking with my wife, like, because at Amazon, I don't think I've ever mentioned I work at Amazon as a peon. And currently they require us to test twice a week or every three days or something like that. They provide the tests. And I'm always negative. And I was joking with my wife, like, I think I'm immune because we get these notices that, um, you know, it says over the last two weeks, we've had 10 positive cases in our building. Please note that we are doing everything we can to clean, da-da-da-da-da-da. We wear masks at work. It's hard to breathe. And so they take all these steps. We test twice a week. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I went to that Thrice show. And, uh, no, uh, there were a few people who were masked, but for the most part, we were all bumping and grinding. No, that's not true. But they were like moshing against each other, unmasked in a closed thing. Um, They didn't ask us to show anything in terms of vaccinations or a negative test or anything. Could have gotten it there, but I think I got it at Amazon because a coworker of mine had a sore throat and I work with him. I think I got it from him. I don't know. I didn't even I haven't asked him if he's COVID positive, but I feel terrible. And uh, the symptoms are pretty bad. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't know. I I, I don't want to sound like a baby, but my there's a sore throat. My brain, it feels like something's attacking my brain. Um, sometimes I feel a little dizzy. Um, I just don't feel right in the head. I've been popping the ibuprofen a bunch. I've been taking this Equate medicine, Tylenol. Um, My wife got me Theraflu. I've been popping the cough drops like crazy. Um, I started sweating earlier today, and I just don't feel, I mean, I feel sick. I don't feel good. And I, I feel like... Aside from like the deadly, you know, the possibilities of death, I, I, I don't wish these symptoms on anyone. 
Um, so I don't know. I don't know what to say here. Mask up. Um, socially distance. It. I couldn't imagine I would be COVID positive on right before Christmas, and I have I have to isolate because I live with my elderly parents and I certainly don't want them to catch it um my wife slept in a a room upstairs last night so um it's just a bad time I'm recording this on Christmas Eve 12 24 2022 we'll see if I'll if I'm able to get through this without dying um so just do your best to you know take those protective measures i guess i don't know let's move on shall we let's get to the movies i i'm speaking into a into the atr 2020 or something and i put the pop pop filter on so i'm i don't know if i'm sounding muddled uh, in addition to my sickness but I can I just can only imagine the, the the COVID germs on this pop filter. But what can you do? I'm gonna start by talking about the volcano rescue from Fakari. Um this shot to the top of the Netflix charts the other day. This story is interesting, and I feel empathy, sympathy, and I feel bad for these people involved, the survivors, um, and a bunch of people died. I think 22 people died. But as a documentary, I got to say, I thought it was kind of bad, you know. Um, I looked at the name of the person who directed it. It's someone named Rory Kennedy. I th- I thought it was a young and up-and-coming documentary filmmaker, but it's a woman, Rory Ken- Kennedy, and she's part of the Kennedy fa- family. So I almost feel a little nervous. I shouldn't feel nervous. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, my point is, the, as a documentary, I thought it was pretty bad. Um, you know, the, when some of the survivors talk about it was pitch black and the screen turns black, I was like, come on. Um, and then there's this, there's this effect that they use in the documentary where... I'm not sure what the term is, but it's a, I, I would describe it as some sort of stutter effect or a flutter effect where it's like one to two frames per second and there are screen there are shots where there are these weird borders and it's like I don't know and you know, I'm not a documentary filmmaker, so I am just a a dipshit on the internet talking about movies that he's seen. But what they 
what they ended up going for, the methods that they tried to use in this documentary to tell the story was not good. And, you know, people complain about animations. I would have preferred an animation. Or just keep it on the talking heads. Or, I I don't know. But what they decided to use, like, it was almost like a cheesy reenactment of like, oh, they're talking about the boat. So let's, let's show stock footage of boat, a boat on a water and put a weird border around it. Just the storytelling was really off on it. It felt cheap. It felt lazy. It did not feel good. Um, but again, I feel bad for all the survivors and the people who died in this story. Horrible incident. Um, the gist of it is basically there's a tourist attraction. I believe it's in New Zealand, the Fakari. It's a volcano. And these tourists go there. And all of a sudden it erupts. And there's this hot ash that comes up. It's not lava, but all this hot steam and hot ash comes out. And if you're right in the middle of it, like one guy describes it, you'd end up basically as a boiled chicken. And a lot of the injuries were like skin coming right off. Uh, Sorry for the graphic description. But a lot of people died. Some people survived with severe burns. Terrible story. Uh, Not a good documentary, in my opinion. Next, I watched... I guess this shouldn't be the episode I try to up my energy because I am dying. But hopefully, maybe in the next episode or two, I'll, I'll really try to bring up my energy. My eyes are closing as I speak. Um, next I watched 13 Lives. Um, by the way, at, at the end of this, I have three holiday movies, so you can look forward to that, question mark. 13 Lives I saw on Prime Video. Um, I guess you can hear me clicking through my phone. Apology. Apologia. 13 Lives is a 2022 American biological, oh gosh, biographical survival film based on the Tham Luang Cave Rescue directed and produced by Ron Howard from a screenplay written by William Nichols. Um, The film stars Viggo Mortensen, Colin Farrell, Joel Edgerton, and Tom Bateman. Uh, I was surprised to see that Ron Howard directed this because I felt like he was kind of on his, <laughs> on his way out because he made Solo, which I remember liking, but I've seen it only once. And then he made Hillbilly Elegy, which... I remember kind of liking and everyone trashed it. Um, The most of the world trashed it, but I thought it was fine. I didn't, I remember kind of liking, I thought it was fine. But 
let me see how old Ron Ronnie Howard is. He's sixty eight. So I I don't know. I I really like the movie. So the gist of it is this team of a, a, a young soccer team in Thailand. Is it Thailand? Um, they, you know, they're practicing soccer and then they decide to go to a cave. I guess they go to this cave a lot. So they're just going to explore it for fun. And then all of a sudden it starts raining really hard and the cave gets flooded. Um, so, the, you know, they t they bring the Navy SEALs in and they are not prepared for this because they are trained for the open water. They are not trained for cave diving. So... Um, all these other people from all over the world come and then there's this these British guys played by Viggo Mortensen and Colin Farrell and Colin Farrell is an Irish actor Viggo Mortensen says he's an American actor but um, they, they call well Viggo Mortensen's name in the movie is Rick and when they called him Rick, I was like, oh, wow, they he's playing Rick again. He used to play Rick Grimes. So for a brief moment, I confused Viggo Mortensen with Andrew Lincoln. They have similar vibes. They probably look alike, I'm guessing. Um, Viggo Mortensen is an American actor. So he so he's putting on a British accent. Um he was born in New York and oh gosh, this is just podcast death. Colin Farrell is Irish. Colin Farrell is Irish. So I guess it doesn't matter. I mean, I personally don't care, but it's just interesting. Uh, Joel Edgerton, I believe he just had a straight-up Austra Australian accent in the movie. Tom Bateman, <laughs> I know from from this, mostly from this movie called... Um, Uh, behind her eyes which was a fairly disturbing um, miniseries on, I saw on Netflix uh, anyway I'm going to try to keep trudging through I, re I mean my voice is monotone usually and my energy is pathetic usually and i think it's just my energy is extremely low right now uh, like i said i am uh, sick but 
I'm gonna I'm gonna try to power through this. Actually, I'm not sure if I'm going to because my I f- it kind of hurts to talk, and my throat is kind of hurting at the moment. But we'll see how far I how far I get. Uh, why do we do anything in this world? You know. Uh, sometimes I just get in a mood where I don't know why I do anything. What is the purpose of life? What is the meaning of life? Why do we record podcasts? Why do we listen to podcasts? Why do we get up in the morning? Why do we try? Um, there, 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 son. The moral of the story is never try. What was I talking about? Vigo Mortensen is not Rick Grimes. So he's... Um, the gist of the movie is Vigo Mortensen and Colin Farrell, they're like... They're part of a, a British cave rescue council as volunteers. They're just experts. And whenever an incident like this occurs, they they get alerts on it, I guess. And so they go over there and they're experts. So everyone else is not prepared. Like the Navy SEALs, like I said, they're trained for open water. But these guys have been doing it for 30 years. So they're the experts. So they get in there and they go pretty far. And then they head back. They don't even know if the boys are alive. Spoiler alert. Eventually they go in back in again and they find them. And I thought it was a little anticlimactic when they find the boys. But then I realized we're pretty early on in the movie. And the conflict is not to find the boys alive. The conflict is they found the boys alive. And Viggo Mortensen is like, those boys are dead. There's no way they're going to survive um, diving for however many, how like five, six, seven hours out of there. There's It's impossible. And that's the main conflict of the movie. They're like, you have 13 dead children in there. Um, so eventually they call upon... Joel Edgerton, who is, well, his character is a um, anesthesiast, anesthetist. And the plan is basically to anesthetize, oh God, anesthetize, anesthetize them. This is just podcast, uh, genocide it's not even podcast death anymore i almost said holocaust and i thought that would be too bad but i anyway um so the plan is they're gonna anesthetize the the boys and take them out one by one as a package so they put them to sleep they put a mask on them and the oxygen. They, you know, they administer ketamine to put them to sleep. 
and they bring them out like packages. And this movie for me was one of the most one of the most stressful movies I've seen in a while. Um really well done though. And again, I I guess the credit goes to Ron Howard, but part of me is like uh, part of me is like how much No, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say how much did he how much did he do like uh, maybe he has first unit i i don't really know the terms of but first unit director second unit director i i thought the movie was really well done and ron howard i i i guess he just he still has a lot of talent left you might not think so after seeing hillbilly elegy but this movie was really well told uh and what did i just say this movie was really well told i meant to say this movie was a story really well told and um i liked it a lot and i i just everything felt real to me i i really got invested into the the story and the 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 rescue attempt and um I was very tempted to to read about the story to see if you know any of them died and spoiler alert they the 13 lives they all survived but there was a former Thai Navy SEAL Saman Kunan drowned which was very sad it's based on a true story and there was another Navy SEAL, Beirut Pakbara, who later died from a blood infection. So, un- unfortunately, there were deaths involved, but the 13 lives that they tried to, they had to rescue, they all survived. Um, I, I, I recommend checking it out. It, very stressful, very intense, but very... Also, man, I I kept thinking about this. I was so glad that the Thai people were actually speaking Thai. And they had subtitles. And this is a real sticking point. Oh, my God. I ran out of tissue, too. This is a real sticking po- I can't speak. Uh, all right, I'm back from. I went to the restroom and I blew my nose, and I literally forgot what I was talking about. So I I remember talking about Thirteen Lives and saying it was great. Oh yeah, I was talking about the. I was so glad that they spoke Thai in this movie. This is a a sticking point with me because the the thir- thirty three miners, the Chilean miners. I was real invested in that story because I I was awake watching the live feed when uh, 
they were taking up one by one each miner um, to the surface after that cave, uh, that mining cave caved in. And I was like really invested. Like I can't believe they're st- they're all still alive. Thirty three. How did they survive? And I, I I couldn't believe it. And I was real invested in that story. And I I would have been interested in a movie, just like I I usually prefer the um, documentary over a biopic, but still I would be interested in watching a a, a narrative bio biographical film. And the movie comes out. Let me let me look it up. Hold on. Let me look it up. Los thirty three. Thing, the thirty-three, or in Spanish, Los thirty-three. Um, it stars Antonio Banderas, Rodrigo Santoro, Juliet Binoche. Um, hold on, Lou Diamond Phillips. And I be- I believe they they speak English. Um, and I just think that's ridiculous. Um, let me see. The incident happened in Chile. Um, and these men are Chilean. It's something weird about them, like, speaking in, like, a Hispanic accent in English. It's very weird to me, and uh, immediately I'm turned off. I'm like, this isn't... And I I get why they do it. They want more people to watch it i know a lot of people don't like subtitles but um schindler's list uh, i i get it it's a very important movie and spielberg want wanted as m- many eyes and ears on that movie as possible i get it but people in you know polish people in germany would not be speaking english with a Polish accent, uh, with a German accent, um, Liam Neeson w- wouldn't be speaking English. You know what I mean? But I I get it, but I don't agree with it. I don't agree with that decision. And I was so relieved when I was watching Sa- Shang Chi, like a big Disney Marvel movie, and they're all speaking Chinese, and I. I realize that's not accurate either. I I mean, it's either Mandarin or Cantonese. I don't know which one it is. I would guess Mandarin because um, I believe his villain name is the Mandarin. I'm I'm having trouble breathing here. This is a, a terrible time for life. You know what I mean? It's just a terrible time. Um, I might watch the 33 just just to watch it, just because I'm a fan of movies. But 
uh, just terrible. Like, I remember I, I tried to watch it in the beginning of the movie. It was like Lou Diamond Phillips speaking English in a Hispan in. Uh, great, I'm gonna get in trouble now here too. What do they speak in Chile? Is there a Chilean language? I should know this. Um, or is it Spanish? I'm not going to find that out now. I'm just not going to find it. I'm very dumb. There's nothing there's nothing I can do about that. Anyway, back to 13 lives. I'm I'm so glad that they just that Ron Howard just trusted the audience that they trusted the audience to know to read the subtitles and for these Thai people to speak Thai. You know what I mean? I I I love that. And so 13 Lives, just for that aspect, um, I I respected that part of it too. And it's a really good movie. I need to move on from 13 Lives. I watched a documentary called Goodnight Oppie. Um, Goodnight Oppie is a 2022 American documentary film directed by Ryan White and narrated by Angela Bassett. Um, I watched it on Prime Video. I knew nothing about this. I just saw the name. Um, so, Goodnight Oppie is... I knew nothing about this. So, basically, it tells the story um, of a the group the group of people tasked with building two rovers that they were going to send to Mars and they tell this story and you know they build these two rovers twin rovers one is called opportunity one is called spirit and it was a whole journey you know one guy said it took him 16, like he kept proposing and proposing and it kept getting rejected and rejected and it took him like 16 years to get to this point where they're, where they're like, finally, uh, we're going to send these two rovers to Mars. And I really liked the documentary. I mean, to go back to the volcano rescue from Fakari. I understand that you don't have footage and I understand that you, you don't want to show people with like skin falling off of their uh, bones, but there's, there's better ways to tell a story. And I think you have to focus on that. And here, uh, you know, obviously maybe rescue from fakari you don't have the budget for it but in here there are full animations of these rovers on mars obviously there's not a camera on mars capturing them so these are recreated animations um or maybe they're not animations they look real so maybe they were filmed i i don't know but full-on animation or full-on sequences where you see this rover uh, traveling on Mars. 
um, and it really helps tell the story. So these these two rovers, Opportunity and um, Spirit, were sent to Mars, and they were meant to, you know, travel around and be geologists, basically break through rock and send the data back to Earth. And for 90 souls, 90 days, essentially, 90 souls, Spirit went um, from 2003 till 2011. She ended up uh, dying, I guess. That's not the right word for it. But Opportunity went for nearly 15 years. So she was supposed to be for 90 souls, 90 days, but she explored Mars for nearly 15 years. And I really liked the documentary. It it was, it, you know, it felt inspirational that all these people came together and accomplished this accomplished this thing where they were able to send these two rovers to Mars and and study the planet for f- almost 15 years. Um and you know I was looking up the the next gen so-called generation of rovers and the the one that's on there now is a car-sized rover so now technology is you know better the last one i think left in 2020 and there's a a little helicopter drone that they have called ingenuity i believe anyway this documentary was really it was cool it was fun it was emotional because you do get i mean they mention it in the doc that they get attached to these robots and not only is it feel like a friend feel like a child but it represents all their hard work and all their emotions and all their sleepless nights that they put into the dream of exploring what else is out there in the universe. And re- really cool documentary. It's called Goodnight Oppie. I recommend you check it out. I watched Licorice Pizza. Licorice Pizza is a 2021 American comedy drama film written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson starring Alana Haim and Cooper Hoffman in their film debuts. Um, I like this movie. Uh, I liked it a lot. I, you know, Pat Walsh says it's at the bottom of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies, um, along with Inherent Vice. I guess Inherent Vice is the worst, according to him, and Licorice Pizza is maybe second to worst, which is interesting to me because I, I remember laughing a lot at Inherent Vice, and I laughed a lot in Licorice Pizza. Um, I just, I I liked it a lot. 
I don't know if t- Paul Thomas Anderson does this in all of his movies, but there's random things like when they're first when they're in that restaurant, and then you hear like a bunch of utensil utensils fall, like that made me laugh. Like random stuff like that makes me laugh. I dug the chemistry between Alana Haim and Cooper Hoffman. Um. The Sean Penn sequence, I kind of checked out. I didn't really understand what that was about. I didn't really get that part. Bradley Cooper, I thought, was hilarious in the movie. Um, The movie basically is about a 25-year-old girl and a 15-year-old guy. The 15-year-old guy is... He's an actor, but he's a young entrepreneur, so he's always coming up with these ideas, like he sells waterbeds, he starts a waterbed business, he starts a pinball business, he's starting all these businesses as as a 15-year-old guy, and she kind of goes along with him and helps him out and becomes somewhat of, of a business partner with him. And he really likes her, but um, she's like, well, I'm 25 and you're a child. Um, I was a little confused at the beginning of the movie because um, his mom is played by Mary Elizabeth Ellis, who I found to be kind of striking in the movie and... I'm assuming that was done on purpose because, um, you know, they're playing with age in the movie. Alana Heim's 25, uh, Cooper Hoffman is 15, and I don't know. I was a little distracted because I was more attracted to his mom than Alana Heim, but that's just me. Um, so, uh, also, I want to shout out Ray Chase, who um, played Noctis in Final Fantasy XV. He's a very renowned voice actor, and he was doing some on-camera work in this movie, which was cool. And... So I I liked I liked the movie. I thought it was just yeah, I don't know. Pat Walsh says this mo- this movie ha- doesn't have much of a story, I guess. Uh, it's just a bunch of things that happen, which I guess is true, but I enjoyed being on the ride. I thought it was just fun. And I I liked um I I just thought it was funny. And I wonder if all of his movies are dark comedies. You know, I I thought Inherent Vice was a was f- kind of hilarious at times, and I thought this movie was funny at times. Um, one scene that made me laugh was Skylar Gizondo. Is that his name? Um, Skylar Gizanda, who I didn't really like his character, and then he was he was sitting at the um 
Alana Kane's family's for a dinner, and the dad was like, "Will you do the blessing?" And he's like, "Oh no, no, thank you. I'm an atheist." And he's like, "What?" Like, and he's like, "Yeah." And Alana was like, "I thought you were Jewish." He's like, "Oh yeah, I was born Jewish, but I grew into an atheist. I I just can't believe that a, a god exists." with all this suffering in the world. So, uh with all due respect, I just I I can't do the blessing, but thank you. And I, I don't know, I, that scene was uh it really made me laugh. And then um I don't know, the movie made me laugh and if a movie makes me laugh, I tend to like it. So, I recommend Licorice Pizza. I might watch inherent vice again i know it got into like it got really convoluted and and kind of confusing as the more the longer it went on but a lot of funny stuff in that um james brolin eating that lollipop was nuts to me i watched i'm at the 41 minute mark I don't I haven't even gotten to the holiday offerings. My throat is hurting. I wonder if um you can hear my cough drop. Oh boy. If I popped in a po- a cough drop if you if that'll be distracting. I watched Candyman 2021. A 2021 supernatural slasher film directed by Nia Da Costa, written by Jordan Peele, Wynn Rosenfeld, and Da Costa. The Wikipedia states this as a remake to the 1992 film of the same name, and the fourth film in the Candyman film series, based on the short story "The Forbidden" by Clive Barker. I don't think that's correct because spoiler alert um the, what's his name Yahya Abdul Mateen the 2nd plays the baby that was in the first movie so how could this be a remake that doesn't make sense at all wikipedia um This movie didn't really work for me. Just like the um the original didn't work for me either. Like I thought it was okay. I thought it was fine. This movie there were essentially no scares uh, in my opinion. A lot of the kills were off-screen. Um like the snooty Uh, art critic you see her killed in the background like she's like tiny when she's getting killed the girls in the restroom like uh, off screen essentially um the the snooty art dealer the guy Clive I thought was a terrible actor I don't his lines um 
must go faster, must go faster, nearly ruined the movie for me. I don't know what that was about. Um, at, at one point, the guy, the old guy, he says, um, he says they, they like what we make, but they don't like us. Or something like that. They like what we make, but they don't accept us. Which is essentially the point, the very poignant point of Get Out. But in Get Out, they don't say it. They just show it to you very poignantly. Um, So this movie, to me, just felt kind of sloppy and not really solid i don't know it doesn't really work as a horror movie um i don't know it just didn't work on me um i didn't really like it unfortunately um i i feel like i i don't get it cuz i the first one, the original Candyman, I thought it was okay, but I don't know. I feel like I'm missing something. I don't know. All right, I'm at the 45-minute mark. Let's get to the holiday movies. I watched Scrooged, a 1988 American Christmas fantasy comedy film Directed by Richard Donner and written by Mitch Glazer and Michael O'Donohue. Uh, first time I've seen it, I thought it was okay. You know, there's a big 30, 40 minute chunk at the beginning where if I laughed, there were very slight laughs. And then there's like maybe a good 20-30 minutes in the middle where I was chuckling pretty good. And I'm like, this is a good movie. And then towards the end, I'm like, I don't know. This is, it's alright. I was surprised to see that Richard Donner directed this. Um, I guess, uh, I don't know. I didn't. The movie felt kind of uneven to me. I knew right off the bat that um, Danny Elfman did the score because it's it's it might as well it sounded like a I just burped I think not I think I know I burped. Um, it felt very you know Beetlejuice. Um, I liked Karen Allen in it. She was very sweet in this movie. Um, I didn't realize Alfie Woodard was had been acting for this long, because the first time I saw first time I saw her in anything, according to her Wikipedia, she's been working since the seventies. Um, first thing I saw her in anything was a um, what's it called? Luke Cage 
from 2016. And she's been working since the 70s. Um, I don't know. The The laughs were, were just not solid for me in it. You know, there's scattered laughs in it throughout. And, you know, you can't go wrong with Bill Murray. I, I keep thinking about his last, like, the last speech and I just felt like it kept going on and on and on um at one point he's like singing um something like deck the halls and I'm like okay well this is where it's gonna end and then and he has more to say and I don't think it's supposed to be funny. I think it's really supposed to be heartfelt. But um, I just felt like it, it. It was really. It just kept going and going. I thought. I don't know. Maybe it's a. Maybe it's a movie of its time. I don't know. It's from nineteen eighty eight. I thought it was okay. Some scattered laughs. I watched The Nightmare Before Christmas. I've seen the movie many times. I kind of tried to watch it in a different lens because Pat and Joe from We'll See You in Hell, they reviewed it and they don't really like the movie. And... I tried to see what their points were. And their points kind of make sense. Um, like, I like I like the movie. I know this movie is huge. I like the movie because of the visually, it's cool. Jack Skellington is a great character. Jack and Sally, the images of them are cool. Um... I like the music a lot. I like the songs a lot. Um, so you you have the music, and you have the visuals. And I think for most people, that's really all you need. The film met with both critical and commercial success, earning praise for its animation, particularly the innovation of the stop motion art form, characters, songs, and score. Um, but when I listened to Pat and Joe's review of the movie, they're like, this, the story's kind of disjointed and like, I can see their points. Like Jack Skellington feels he's missing something. Like he loves Halloween. He does it every year, but he wants something more. So he ends up finding a Christmas door he goes through it he finds Christmas and um, he decides that he wants to do Christmas and you know I was looking at the special features and like they were saying that 
uh, don't quote me on this, but some of the songs were, I think the songs were being written before the, the script or something like that. Um, so the story is kind of disjointed and then Oogie Boogie does kind of feel kind of shoehorned in there a little bit because like he comes out of nowhere and if you think about it it's like who is this who is Oogie Boogie and why is he in there I think most people just don't care because his song is cool and his character is cool and the visuals are cool and the stop motion is cool so I think it doesn't matter to most people like I don't I don't get the part where Sally has a premonition like she has a vision like how does she, that's not explained I did see that they they had a they wrote a sequel young adult novel called like Long Live the Pumpkin Queen or something it came out August 2022 um so maybe that'll explain some things um I, I like it for the reasons I already mentioned, but I understand Pat and Joe's points. It's like, from a story standpoint, it's kind of weird. Um, but this movie is, is huge. Like, there was a girl at work. She has a... She has a bag, Nightmare Before Christmas bag, and she's like, that's my favorite movie. Um... And it's big at Hot Topic, and I actually, we, um, my wife and I went to Kamikaze, aka LA Comic Con, and there was a Hot Topic booth, and I, I think she got a bag, and I got a beanie. It's a beanie of zero. You know, I think I'm about to fall asleep. The last movie I will talk about is It's a Wonderful Life. First time I've seen it. We'll end on a strong note. I thought it was kind of an amazing movie. Um, it deals with... I, I like the time jumps. You see these... Um, different times in George Bailey's life you see him as a kid and he he saves his little brother Harry's uh, life and then he stops this dude this old dude from poisoning a kid and you see this guy who's really a good guy with a good heart and he kind of loses his way he loses his perspective on life and he starts to see the negative and I mean you who cannot relate to that now you know it's it's so easy to forget all the all the good stuff you've accomplished in your life when you're bogged down with all the negative stuff until you reach the point where you want to kill yourself. And this movie is like, 
you know, he, at the end, he, he meets Clarence, the guardian angel. And he's like, well, I'm going to show you what it's like for if you were never born. And, um, well, Harry died because you weren't there to save him. And um, and Gower, who <laughs> who seems to be uh, the same age throughout the whole movie, even though he was an looked like a very old man when George Bailey was a very young boy, spent twenty years in jail <laughs> for poisoning a child. Um, his mom's a grump because. She lost her only child when he was nine. And, um, I, I don't know. I, I really loved it. Um, and J Jimmy Stewart, I think I've, I had only seen him in James Stewart. Why did I call him Jimmy Stewart? Jesus Christ. Isn't it, is his name James Stewart? Um, I think I I think I had to watch Mr. Smith Goes to Washington in high school for some reason, and I liked his acting back then too. Um, but this move, this movie, he he's running the whole gamut, you know. Um, there are scenes where he's like yelling. Where he's he's going crazy angry, and there's scenes where he's just acting with only his eyes and it, like real subtle stuff. Um, it's just a great movie, and um, Donna Reed, striking, just striking. Um. I'm about to collapse from exhaustion and just lack of will to stay afloat. But I really like the movie. Um, heck of an ending too. When it find when it pays off, and he gets back to the present, and he's like he realizes like how how much he has and like he was about to end it all he's like oh, i'm i'm worth more dead than alive and he was about to end it all like i'm eight thousand dollars in debt with my um company and i'm gonna end up going to jail for fraud and he has like four kids one line I liked in the movie was like, why do we have to have all these kids? I thought that was kind of funny. And Smoking Hot Wife, Donna Reed. So at the end of the movie, he realizes, like, I have I have the world. I have everything. Um, he comes back to the present. He goes back home. And, like, he's hugging his children. Like, before, like, the scene before... Or before he tries to kill himself, he's like yelling at all his kids, like, why are you playing that damn song on the piano? 
and um, he's yelling at all his kids, except for Zuzu, for some reason. Like, he's angry at all his kids, but for some reason, he's, like, really sweet to Zuzu, who's sick. Um, and then... And then at the end, he's like hugging his children and then his wife comes home and he's like, Mary, Mary. Um, how's that, Jimmy Stewart? Mary. Uh, sounds like a horse. Uh, my throat is horse. And, um, and then all these people come with money and they're like, we heard that George Bailey was in trouble. I wouldn't have had a house if it weren't for him. And all these people come. Um, <laughs> and Annie, the old uh, help, I guess. She was like, I was saving this up for a divorce in case I got married. But, oh well. And then Violet Bick comes. I didn't end up leaving after all. So all these people give him money, and then Sam Wainwright sends him $25,000. And then his brother Harry comes, like, and then um, George Bailey's like, Harry, Harry. It's, it, it's, uh, it, you can't help but say, like, it's kind of cheesy, of course, corny but but it works like it it just works and you like you you want that happy ending and that that's one of the happiest endings i i i've experienced at least in recent times but it's so good um uh, i loved it like it felt it made me feel good and then after the credits rolled i'm like Back to real life. Back to fucking COVID-19. Um, it's a great movie. Um, I I really loved it. Um, Jimmy Stewart. I, I got to see what else he... I got to see what else he's um, been in. I think that, that'll about do it for me. Um if this is the last episode of this podcast it's because um i'm dead so um this is my uh, eulogy episode i guess edmund don't joke about that come on now <sighs> i'm about to collapse i got i got nothing I got food in front of me. Um, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Um, take care of yourselves. Uh, try not to catch COVID because the symptoms are bad. Take whatever protective measures you can. Socially distance. Mask up. Um, wash your hands. Sanitize your hands. Um, try to stay away from other people I'm closing my eyes I think I'm gonna die now thanks for listening and say hi to your pets for me <laughs>